Welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis. I'm a marriage and family therapist and licensed professional counselor trained in trauma and addiction. The Asking Why podcast is for anyone on a journey of healing and restoration. If you are searching for answers to life's questions and want to learn more about root causes from a psychological and theological mix, this show is for you. In this podcast, myself and a co-host from Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness will interview guests on a wide range of topics in order to get down to the heart of the problems facing our world and understand why things happen and how to change the world and ourselves for the better. Want to learn more tips and tricks to living a healthy lifestyle? Visit us at Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to meet our staff or book a speaker, go to clintdaviscounseling.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe today. All right, welcome to Asking Why Podcast, episode 55. I'm really excited about this one. Um, I did a um, podcast with Andy Bond a few weeks ago about raising boys. Uh, it went really deep and got a lot of great feedback about it. And so I was surprised, but I got tons of messages, which we had planned to do anyway, but you know, I didn't have it in the works, but to talk about raising girls. And so we have with us uh, some awesome girl moms and therapists today. <laughs> so I'm going to let you guys introduce yourself. So the podcast today is about raising girls um, in general. And so we're going to talk through some of that um, from a therapeutic standpoint, but also from a real mom perspective. So introduce yourself. We'll let you go first, Tammy. Awesome. Well, I'm Tammy Ewart. Um, I'm a therapist. I work with children and adults. I am a mother of three. And I love people. I especially love talking to strangers. I like to travel. And I'm grateful to be here today. It's awesome. Great. Mayor? I'm Meredith Price. And I am also an LPC. Um, probably got my counseling start a little later in life after going through lots of things that I thought I'd really like to pay it forward. Yeah. Um, I have three girls. So expert. All, major expert, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe an expert wannabe. Yeah. Um, yes. So they are 17, 15, and 12. Um, now, Tammy, you have how many? You, what are your genders of your girls? Or I have, boys? right, I have two boys okay. and a girl. That's right. I have a 26-year-old son, a 21-year-old daughter, and a 15-year-old son. Nice. Yes. So both of you know what it's like to raise girls. Yes. And both yes. know what it's to counsel. You know, and you both counsel a lot of teens, right, and young girls? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. For That's sure. Awesome. Well, Tammy, tell me a little bit about kind of your story, what got you to become a counselor, you know, where you're from, that yes. kind of thing. Well, I love people. You know, I've always been someone who wants to connect and learn people's story. Mm -hmm. And then as we go through our own healing, we want to help other people. And so it was just kind of a natural flow in my life. Yeah. Now you, you also do traveling stuff, right? Yes. Okay. So they call yes. you Disney Tammy. That's right. That's, right. That's my name. <laughs> That's right. Uh, um, so what, what led you to, when did you get your license or counseling? Yes, I got my counseling license a little later. Okay. You know, I had started raising kids and, you know, I still want, I'd always wanted and dreamed of being a counselor. That was my dream when I was a little girl of what I saw myself doing. And a lot of that was because of counselors that helped me through things. Mm. So I wanted to do the very same thing. Yeah. And so I started having kids, you know, didn't finish my master's and then, um, Really, really just felt led and called to do it. So I started doing, I took one class at a time 
and uh, my parents helped me. They wanted to help me do that. My husband helped me. They kept my little one, our little ones at the time. And I remember I just started one class at a time. And when it got toward the end, my advisor looked at me and he's like, Tammy, you're about graduated. And I was like, what? You know, I was just enjoying learning. Mm -hmm. And so got finished and got my license and um, been counseling ever since. I love it. And both of you came on board. It's almost been two. Has it almost been two years for both of you? A year. It's been a year. Okay. Yes. Time flies. A little I can't more remember. than a year. It does. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's crazy. So, yeah, but, yeah, that's right. Y'all came over March of last year, right? Something around mm-hmm. there. Yeah. At the end of February. So we're working on the year. So hey, that's a good yes. timing for the podcast. That's right. Our anniversary. We dodged the bullet for a year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We made it. Yeah. They didn't run us off. No, that's for right. sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> When you when you say dodge the bullet, she means the podcast. The podcast, yeah, yeah oh, for sure, oh. for sure. Yeah, Mer- Meredith's nervous, so that's like, <laughs> we're gonna get the nerves out of yeah, her by the time sure. we get going. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, every week I'm like, anybody want to talk about anything? <laughs> my introverts are like, no. <laughs> um, you made a really, uh, you know, kind of side comment that I think is something that I want to hear from you guys as we go. We can talk about it now or dive into it later, but just that aspect of like raising women, raising girls into yes. women. And it's a thing that as boys, we don't have to think about, which is, hey, you're going to graduate high school, yes. you're going to get in college. But like, if you want a family yeah. or you want to have babies or you have to breastfeed or any of these yes. things, you're going to have to adapt the timeline, right? Right. For which sure. it, we don't have to think about. Right. You know, that's not something me and Andy, you know, thought about yes. or talked about with. So I just think that's a, you know, as you were telling your story, it's one of those things you personally had to deal with, but also have to learn how to teach, I guess. And that's what I'd be interested to hear from. Like, how do you talk to your daughter? How did you talk to your daughter about that transition and what that looks like? And so you, we'll, we'll put a pin in it, but yeah, sure. just pointing it out. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Mayor? So I was a registered dietitian uh. when I left college. Um, and really, if you would have asked me what I wanted to do growing up, I wanted to be a mom. Mm. So that was the ultimate goal for me. Really, the career was kind of like just going to be the stepping stone to get me to motherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, so did the dietitian thing, and then um, we started our family. And then I found myself in the most unthinkable part of the journey that I would have never included in the script of my life. And... Um, was divorced Mm. and so I had been a stay-at-home mom for so long that I really kind of had the the opportunity to reinvent myself I guess so to speak because I knew I had to go back into the career world um all growing up I would say people would tell me you should be a counselor because they would come to me and want to talk to me and you know um I just kind of thought that ship has sailed. Yeah. I am not going back to school. Um, but when I found myself kind of at this turning point, I remember my mom just said, why don't we just go see? Just go see what it would be like if you could go back to school. Mm-hmm. And I thought, there's no way. Because I was so used to being room mom, being at every field trip, that and, and I'm kind of part of my personality is I'm led by fear. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of like, it mm, seems like it might be a little too hard. Um, but we went over there. I literally signed up in the advisor's 
office, like at his computer, because I kept kind of like dodging, like, well, I'll think about it. And he said, no, if you walk out of my office, I'll never see you again. And he was Mm -hmm. absolutely right. So I did it. And I went to school at night. And, um, you know, it was like my Mount Everest that I climbed. But I am so thankful that I did it. Because yeah. I know this is exactly where God wants me to be. Yeah. I mean, yeah. exactly. Like, I've never been, I've never been more sure beyond wanting to be a mom yeah. that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, you guys have been amazing. I mean, I, you know, for people listening, you know, Tammy and, and Meredith came in a year ago and just breathed such a breath of fresh air and maturity and quality and personality and support into our culture and into our into our office and and you guys do an amazing job I, you know you. i hear from people every day every week you know just oh i see meredith oh i see team i was just i was just going to tell you i saw somebody i was at dinner somewhere i can't remember who it was uh but i mean it's so many times that i can't even keep up with the amount of people that say hey we see tammy or we see meredith and they've helped our daughter they helped our marriage or they've helped us and they i just love them and they've changed our lives and oh, and so you know just it is right where God wants you to be. And I'm super thankful to have both of you here. Um, again, another, you know, kind of side note about raising women and raising girls is just that idea of, you know, the dependence on a man financially. And, you know, we have this dream and this aspiration as a woman to, um, be a mom and stay at home. And that's a good thing. In our culture, we can't really say that. I don't think sometimes without getting canceled, but some women want to do that. And that's a great thing. And and some people want to work and that, you know, all those kind of things. But, I think the interesting thing is that I want to hear from is like teaching girls that like, yeah, but then if it doesn't work out, right, you, you got to fall back on your no money. Absolutely. Right. And so that's such an interesting, when people are on the camp of, uh, well, you know, women should always just stay in the kitchen and they should never work and they should never have a career. It's like, well, that's insane because things don't go well all the time Absolutely. and life happens and there's death and grief and hardship and divorce and all these things. And like, well, you're supposed to just jump to another dude real quick so you can have a paycheck. Correct. So I just think raising girls, there's got to be this weird, you know, you tell me, but there's got to, I have two boys, so I'm not having to talk about this sure. stuff. Sure. Uh, except for with clients. Um, but there's got to be this weird dynamic of teaching and prepping and having those conversations. Absolutely. So. Yes. My oldest, you know, she's about to be 18 in April and we're kind of navigating the next steps for her as far as what she wants to do and where she's going to college and she's right now kind of on the path she thinks she wants to be a doctor but a lot like her mom she knows she wants to be a mom Mm -hmm. and so we've had some really in-depth conversations about go for the gold right now like get the medical degree because you can always be the mom Mm -hmm. you know but that I just and of course that comes a lot from my own journey of just wanting them to kind of be self-sufficient but not to the point of you know like anti-man yeah because of course that's not at all what I want for them but just um I mean obviously we want it to be easier for our kids Mm -hmm. you know especially when we've navigated through tough things um but I think that's the conversations we're having in our house is just don't be afraid. Don't let fear stop you from doing what you want to do because maybe you wanted to be the mom, mm-hmm. you know, because I think she can be a doctor and be a mom. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. And 
you know, for so many clients that I know we've all seen, you know, some people um, either choose not to be a mom or can't mm -hmm. or adopt or, you know, become a mother that way. Right. right? And it, it just, it goes on all kinds of different directions. Absolutely. Um, and so it, it's, you know, for the person listening who, who maybe the plan was to get pregnant and have a, a, a you know, a baby naturally, um, maybe they had to wait a few years and go through the process of medication, or maybe they had to, you know, get on a waiting list and find a, you know, a child and adopt and become a mother that way. And, um, it doesn't, it just not as seamless. And so it's just interesting for men, I mean, that is male privilege, right? Is that you don't ever have to really think about that as a boy. You don't ever have to right. really think about like, well, if this doesn't work or I don't have a, you know, have a baby, it's like, cause you're not having it. Right. You know? So I just, you know, as a male, I'm just trying to, you know, put that out there that, man, it's just such an interesting thing to have to navigate as a woman that you just don't have to think about. For as a sure. Male. Definitely. So how did you guys meet? Cause y'all came in as friends. So tell, tell that story a little bit. <laughs> I remember the day that we met and I, my colleague had told me, Tammy, because I was actually Meredith's boss. Mm. So I taught her everything she knows. And nice. she's just she amazing. sure did. And I'll <laughs> say that until the end of the time. I am joking. <laughs> but anyway, so my colleague said, Tammy, you're, she said, you're, you're going to love, you know, this new awesome counselor coming on your team. And I was so excited. And then she said, she's so excited to meet you. And so we met and it's, we've just been friends ever since, you know, one thing about working together is you have your friends who are your work friends and mm -hmm. that's great. Right. And those change throughout our lives sometimes, but a lot of times some of those friends become your forever friends Absolutely. and that's Meredith. And I'm so grateful for oh, her yeah. friendship. And then, for we, sure. then we parted for a while, not friendship, but just career wise. And we ended up at the same place. I know. So yes. she, no, I'm a firm believer that friends are our chosen family. I like and that. And the minute that I met Tammy, I knew that it would be a forever thing. <laughs> I mean, really. Same. I mean, and we we laugh <laughs> like nobody's business. But now that we do yes, this do. together, <laughs> we do. We do. <laughs> I, I hear you throughout the day. And I, and I love it. I love it. Yeah. We are always going to add levity to the situation. Oh, yeah. No matter um, what it is. <laughs> yes. But I do absolutely love that not only do I have the friendship with Tammy, but I also have that professional connection that yes. when I need to staff something or if something's just so heavy on my heart or that I can go to her, it doesn't yes. matter if it's 11 o'clock at night. No, it doesn't matter what time. I'm always and, up. I'll answer. Yes. But that we but she's can, not on a cruise. If right? I'm not on a cruise. But I'll answer on a cruise, too. That's right. You she can't will. do that now. And Meredith will answer at any time of day, either. I will. <laughs> I do. So that's been, it's just been really great. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's get to the meat, meat of this. So um, tell me a little bit about, and neither one of you can start, maybe what it's, you know, what it was like growing up as a woman, as a girl, maybe some of those key points that that you think most women experience okay and then we'll, we'll shift into what do you think has changed for your as you became a mom like what are the things that you've seen in this last 10 years 20 years that have changed from when you were a girl does that make sense mm -hmm. sure you want me to go first? sure i think that um one of the toughest parts about being first of all i love being a girl woman you know i love that i'm grateful um but one of the toughest parts is just internal pressure you know, the pressure that we put on ourselves and that pressure, that voice in our head 
that tells us we're not enough, that tells us we need to do this. Like we were talking about earlier, we're going to be the best family person. We have to be the best at our career. And I think managing that and realizing the truth is, is that we're worthy and we're valuable. We we don't have to prove anything to anybody. And I think a lot of us, well, most of us are going on with that in our heads all day long, oh, right? Absolutely. Pointing out the maybe the bad thing and 50 great things. Mm-hmm. So I think that internal pressure has been one of the you know hardest parts. Mm-hmm. Now, did you grow up with siblings? Sure. Oh, yeah. I had two older brothers. Okay, so two brothers. So you were the only girl? Yes, I was the only girl and the baby. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was adopted. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, so... So what was that like being the the youngest and the baby and the girl? I liked it. (laughs) The princess. That's right. Yeah, it was good. Which turned into a Disney princess. That's right. For sure. Now now it makes so so much sense. (laughs) Now you're getting it all. (laughs) What about you, Mary? What do you think? Um, You know, so I, I think exactly what Tammy said, just the self-imposed perfection so mm-hmm. to speak that I think a lot of women struggle with um I didn't know it at the time because I don't think we used the word back then as much but I was an extremely anxious child like from the get-go um my parents were divorced they did an amazing job like my mom deserves a medal for how she navigated that with my sister and me but I think without even knowing it, I felt like I needed to be perfect. Mm -hmm. I needed to behave in a certain manner as to not create more chaos or um, any more dissension within the family, even though they weren't saying that to me. Um, And I feel like, I mean, I'm I'm kind of dealing that right with my own daughter right now. She's kind of self-imposed that. Um, need for perfectionism and I think because I dealt with it I'm so hyper aware of that within the relationship that I have with my girls and I'll tell Maddie that's my middle one I'll tell her you know you don't have to be perfect and she says well I know Mm -hmm. I know I, I know you don't think I do but I feel like I need to. Yes. And so I think that's just kind of the battle. Because um, I still deal with it. And I would sit with someone in my office and do all the time. And I'm able to point out how they're so beautiful, even if they can't see it. Yeah. You know, do I do that with myself? Yeah. Not nearly as often as I should. You know, because we basically, what, sit in here and counsel ourselves for seven hours because every time something comes out yes. of my mouth I'm like whoo right. conviction <laughs> yeah you know yes. because I the tape that I play in my head is oftentimes ugly mm-hmm. you know um even though I would never impose that on you or you right. you know it's I think don't you feel like we do yes struggle with that yes like and um, most of our clients mm-hmm yeah, and I think especially as raising girls, yes. you know, it's kind of like we can identify some things and not to bash any of our parents, but that I know I've identified things in growing up that I'm like, okay, I'd like to maybe do that a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then 
my kids are going to be saying the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's always growth and there's always, you know, things to do better, but uh, you know, what are some of the things you think were specific to being girls that were difficult in the culture that maybe you felt, did, did you recognize that at the time? I guess that's a, that's a question. When you were a girl, when you were growing up, did you realize when you were a girl instead of a woman, when you got to be careful in our culture, when when you were a little girl, right? Growing up middle school, high school, did you pick up that things were different for boys? Did your parents parent you differently because you were girls? You know, what, what, what is some of that that you, you saw? for me like I said I was very anxious um I also went through a period of time where I was really picked on Mm -hmm. I wasn't kind of the it girl right so to speak um it became very apparent in middle school you know when you have your friends that are peaking (laughs) I certainly was not um and when you say peaking you mean like hitting puberty and growing and Yes, and kind of like the one that all the boys were looking at, Mm -hmm. you know. And so you can't help, I think, for me, probably just because of how I was wired, to think that I'm less than. Yeah. You know, now I can look at it and say, well, I would never want to peak in middle school anyway. (laughs) But, I mean, um, some of those things stuck with me into adulthood that have affected the way that I'm in relationship, whether it's friendship romantic relationship relationship with my family um that have been difficult to kind of overcome yeah you know i think the body image thing i mean Mm -hmm. we can't get away we cannot talk about girls without talking about the body image Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah diet culture movies mm -hmm. film magazines playboy you know everything in the time that we you know that we grew up anyway yes yes and um, I don't know, what would you think? I mean, do you mean about just the pressure? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's definitely real. You know, if we don't transform our pain, we will surely transmit it. Mm-hmm. And it's usually on those close to us. And that happens to us in families. You know, I look at my family. I have wonderful parents that literally chose me, adopted me. And um, I never felt anything but loved and wanted, yet there was addiction in my home. So when there's addiction in our home, we're very hypersensitive to um, other people's moods and opinions because we we have to worry about that. Like you were talking about, Meredith, how you could feel the things. And I did too as a child. So I think that, you know, does weigh on us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, of course, with us being women we want to be nurturers we want to be caretakers we want to take care for people and um that's a lot of stress and pressure mm-hmm. yeah definitely yeah what do you think what was it like if you're looking at your fathers if you're looking at men in your lives if you're looking at culture yeah that was te- what was that telling you that you now recognize as a woman that still plays a part in it or that you know the goal is hopefully to to figure these things out so we don't recreate it for everybody right. and for people listening to go, okay, I have a three-year-old girl or I have a seven-year-old girl. Or I have a 14 year old girl. Mm-hmm. What are some things that happened to me that I need to be aware of that I don't pass down or that my dad did or my mom did or said about women? Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Um, and we'll have a little bit of a different experience. So 
my dad wasn't present in our home. Like mm. they, my mom and dad divorced when I was two. He was present in my life, but not in my home. Mm-hmm. And probably not present in my life as much as I wanted. Yeah. And probably even realized that I needed yeah. until I got to be an adult. And I can remember kind of having that realization when I got to college and I saw kind of the relationship that a lot of these women or girls, you know, in college had with their dads. And so, um, as I've gotten older and kind of gone through counseling myself and been divorced myself, kind of re-navigated down that road of how really did that affect me? Of course it affected me like huge Yeah. (laughs) in, uh, even the way that I see myself, mm-hmm. you know, and the way that I showed up in my own marriage, you know. Um, and so I think, and, and we'll get into this because this is like one of the huge things that I just think about, kind of the, a big umbrella of having girls and raising girls is that I am so open with mine. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I'm so, I want to be vulnerable and I want to be transparent I want to have the hard conversations with them because I don't really remember having those. And maybe it was kind of a generational I think thing. it was. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> I think well, they certainly we, didn't know all the things we know right. now. I mean, you know. They didn't. And that's why, you know, I, it's no dig at my parents. Yeah. Because we just didn't talk about those mm-hmm. kind of things, you know. Well, um, yeah, let's let's preface that for people, you know, because it we're it's real hard. And I know you are being sensitive about it because you don't want to dog your parents. Right. But, you know, the thing we talk about on here and in general in therapy is right. Holding those two truths at the same time. Right. And, and listeners hear me say this all the time. But, you know, your our parents did the best they could with what they had. And they also right. royally screwed up. Right. You know, and, and hopefully with new information and, and podcasts like this and books and therapy, the next generation we get more people to make less mistakes and we spin the thing right. the opposite direction. Yes. Right. But we're still in this weird gap. I mean, literally I was thinking about this the other day, like our parents didn't have the option of getting therapy. Right. Like, it, you know, in my head when I was, you know, growing up in 20, I'm like, my dad should have gotten therapy. My mom should have gotten therapy. And then they wouldn't have done all these bad decisions. And it's like, there wasn't trauma therapy oh. when our parents were, were, yeah, you know, yes. raising us. And they were probably raising us at like 20. I don't know how old y'all's parents were, but mine were super young. Yeah. You know, so it's like I look back at my 20-year-old self and I'm like, what an idiot. Not to mention if I didn't get help in therapy. Right. So again, I want to preface that with anything you say, we're trying to not dog your parents. But I'm trying to get, you know, into the, the reality of like this generational gap that just happened and the consequences of that. Because I think when we move into talking about actual girls now we're still playing off of the suffering from a whole generation of people who didn't talk about feelings, whether male or female. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I'm so, like I said a minute ago, transparent and open with my girls. And I mean, there were times when I can remember being little and asking my loved ones, like, do you love me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, now I can sit here cerebrally and say, of course, I was loved, but whatever that anxious little girl was feeling, she needed to hear, mm-hmm. I love you. She wanted to feel, I love you. Right. We, well, we talk about your dad and, and he could have loved you all he wanted, but proximity is still super important. Absolutely. And so one of the problems we have in our culture is having dads not available or people thinking, well, the woman's nurturing and raising. And so I'm just going to work and provide and they're doing the best they can with what they have. Right. But then we grow up going, well, half of my, my parenting 
you know, dyad here is, is gone. Right. Yeah. And, um, unfortunately for me, mine ended up, he was in an automobile accident when I was 21. Mm. So as I've kind of gone through adulthood and tried to sort of rehabilitate, so to speak, I didn't really have that opportunity to kind of let us forge a different path together. Mm -hmm. Um, but in keeping with that, I think it's just made me even more intentional with my girls, even though I'm not the dad of the relationship, um, that I'm, you know, not squandering the time that I have with them because we just don't know. Yeah. You know, it's good. Tammy, what about for you? What do you feel like maybe are some of the impressions you got from men or your dad or in the culture? Yes. Well, I had a wonderful dad and he was, uh, he had a lot of flaws. He had addiction and he, his mother had actually died in childbirth. Mm. And so he never got to meet his mom and his, the rest of the family resented him a little bit. Um, but somehow, some way he knew how to love and that love covered so much. Right. So I learned about love from my dad. I didn't feel anything but cherished from him. So, you know, as far as, you know, feeling, um, you know, anything between, you know, differences as a, you know, young woman. In my family, I I really never felt anything but cherished. That's good. So what was the positive impact on that growing up in high school in relationships? Yeah, I think it helped me know who I was. Mm. Right. And that's a gift our parents can give us. We learn who we are from our parents. And if they don't know who they are, it's hard for us to know. Yeah, so and good. that's why a lot of us struggle. And young women particularly learn who they are from their mother. Mm-hmm. And when our mothers are struggling, and hey, which one of us isn't, right? right. Yeah. But right. that's where it comes in where we have to do our work. And that's what we were talking about earlier. We all, as parents, have to do our work and know what our triggers are and know who we are so that we can help our daughters and our sons. Like I know this about daughters today, but know who they are. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. I mean, I was doing a talk this week and we were talking about, um, you know, abuse prevention and all those kind of things. And, um, you know, we were talking about trauma and you know, that, that sexual abuse happens to one in three women by 18. Mm -hmm. You know, and that is just a crazy stat. Well, at the end of the talk, we, you know, I usually do 30 minutes of Q&A and, you know, four or five of the women raised their hand and said, I was sexually abused. I've never talked to it. Can we come to your practice? People were just crying and praying. You know, it was just this crazy, you know, moment. Um, and that's happening more and more, which is mm-hmm. wild. But my point is, is like the conversation was, yeah, nobody talked to us about this stuff. You know, we're, we, we are an overly sexualized culture and overly visual and, and body dysmorphia and all these things. And yet we're really the first generation to be our kids to be right. talking about it. Right. You know, and so we're still playing from the consequences. So I love, it's kind of a good pairing. I mean, I love that we're seeing consequences if they're not there mm-hmm. right. and then the positive consequences if they are. Right. It doesn't mean it's not, it's easy or it's not, no, it doesn't take work, but like, sure. but we see that manifested in yeah. our friendship. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, cause I have an extremely insecure attachment mm-hmm. and it all comes from what I've gone through. She's a lot more self-assured and yeah. it's just funny. I mean, don't you think? I'm, so fr- I'm glad you think that. I do. <laughs> 
I really do. Because, like, she's constantly having to kind of, like, talk me off the ledge. And it is a privilege. <laughs> you say that. And I do believe it. It, it absolutely but is. But I think it is. It's really neat, even in our professional yes. life, that we do have such different vantage points. Yeah. Because yes. her family was so different than mine. Mm-hmm. You know, and then even she's in an intact marriage and yeah. I'm divorced. I mean, it's really great. Yes. Because it really does. Like, we can pull the best parts of yes. each other 100%. and meredith talks me off the ledge too so I'm we got to know, know that, that you know you do she talks me <laughs> off the ledge yeah it's good i mean that but that's the body of christ right is that yes there's right. not we were uh, i meet with a group on mondays and we were, we're going through the enneagram and the myers-briggs mm-hmm. and we're doing this discipleship thing and and so the myers-briggs has strengths and weaknesses mm-hmm. so i read you know we all read those to each other and uh you know one of my strengths is uh, um like thinking about big picture things and dreaming and and uh being spontaneous and fun well the weakness right was um what was it uh, loses focus uh not not very focused not detail oriented and overthinks and so we were talking and i said it's so crazy how we label these things and we shame ourselves and call it a weakness mm-hmm. now i'm not saying that i don't there it can definitely become a problem sure. right when you want to work on it but like i was telling my wife i said how am i supposed to be you know, get, get this practice going, dream, think of things, employ people and also not overthink. Right. Right. And so it, it's the same thing. Like in, and we were talking about all of ours were different and we we're like, that's the body of Christ. Like the eye can't be a toe and the toe can't be an eye, but without the foot you can't, well, you know, that's right. and it's like the same thing in our relationships. It's God takes these, what we see as weaknesses or negative things. And, uh, in relationship, he makes them whole and new and good and, and we need each other, Right. you know, but yeah, it definitely it plays in. It's fun. It, it is fun being a, you know, the leader and having the different personalities yes. and trying to navigate it. Yeah. Cause some people are like, never ask me for anything, <laughs> but it, you know, it's because they, they feel fine and they feel confident and they have their resources. Right. And then some people need more and, and that's not a good or bad thing. Right. Like I don't see them as strengths and weaknesses. I see them as unique differences Right. where, you know. They, they, it's a double-edged sword. They help us and they, they gotta be worked on. <laughs> yes. For sure. So, okay. So when you're growing up, the body dysmorphia, the body image, um, well, talk a little bit more about bullying or women kind of growing up and, and being clicky. I know for me, my wife talks about a lot, just being friends with women is hard and Oof. it's a lot different. And Oof. so can we talk about that? Yes. What was that like for y'all? I struggled. I really struggled. I think part of it was my people-pleasing nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always kind of felt, and I've described it like this before, like the girls were huddled and I was kind of like looking up underneath like, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Hey. You know, and I was included, but I didn't always feel, and some of it may have been my own stuff. Sure. Um, and I can kind of see that now, but at the time, right. it just didn't feel good, you know. Um, I can specifically remember being teased in fifth grade Mm. about my body. Um, and you know, the teacher takes us out in the hall, which was even more shaming because I'm sobbing and she's bringing these boys out in the hall and they're supposed to apologize to me, you know, but, um, I mean, that changes who you are. Yeah. It like becomes part of the fabric of who you are. Yeah, especially, and I was thinking as you were talking, like 
what's even more important is what do the adults say about those situations as they're going on? Right. And if no one says anything, which is what I'm assuming sort of happened, uh, then you write your own narrative about it. Absolutely. And that's exactly what I did. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think it's really hard, you know, because people will tell me all the time, like, I don't think you see yourself the way I see you. And it's not just about looks because that trickles over into how we feel about ourselves and not just visually, Mm -hmm. you know, just the way that I love myself, you know? Um, Well, it's crazy because like, and from a man's perspective too, I'll drop this in here. I mean, women are beautiful in all kinds of different ways. Sure. Right. And so I can tell my wife, you know, she's gorgeous and then she has some kids and I still think she's just as hot, yeah. if not hotter. Right. And she's, you know, going to beat herself up. You know, she, right. she can have abs and I'm like, Oh, you look really great. And she's like, well, I really need to lose this. But it's like historically this just built in, it's not enough, you know, absolutely, it, it's, it's insane. And, and as a husband, it breaks my heart. Cause I know some of that, right. Is just internal, but some of that right. also comes from male culture and, and all the things that are toxic, the picking and the bullying and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So Absolutely. I mean, I've read a statistic that said 91% of women are unhappy with their bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that only 5% of women naturally possess the body type that's often portrayed in the media. Yeah. Right. So and that what, changes. Yeah, right. It changes. I mean, and so... The goalposts keep moving. That's right. Yeah. And so it's interesting to see it played out even in my three girls. My oldest is very self-assured. And it's almost unnatural to me, you know, because I'm like, where, yeah, chill did, out, girl. where did you come from? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's beautiful because yeah. I love that she's confident because it's so the antithesis of who her mother is. Right. So I'm like, it came from somewhere, but it did not come from me. And then I it see, did come from you, though. Well, that's what you're missing. You're sweet. It, that's your internal voice that we were talking right. about earlier. It came from you. You're right. Because you listen and you teach you're and right. you love. You're right. <laughs> I no, mean, really. It's true because you and we've talked about this before. You in those moments and, and gosh, this is what I want people to hear. It's all of that stuff we're talking about. And we could talk about it for hours and hours. Yes, all of those things are hard, and being a woman is hard, but it's what people do for you when you're going through it that, that changes the outcome. Right. So as a mother, right, you, yes. because you went through all these things, by the grace of God, were mindful as they were growing up. Right. Right. So I'm assuming when they were in fifth grade, you didn't miss these conversations. Well, no. And in fact, my youngest, it's like looking in a mirror. Mm-hmm. So she has experienced a lot of the exact same things that I experienced. You know, the name calling. She's not what you would say would be average size, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I'm so careful in how I speak to her. Yeah. And if she comes out and I can tell she feels amazing in her two-piece bathing suit by all means rocket rocket yeah because i wish someone had made me feel that way Mm -hmm. because i was going to be in the t-shirt right or the robe right (laughs) you know like and so i do think and this is what i would tell any mom and the moms that do come into my office you know that you have an opportunity to change the script yeah for your kiddos because i mean my girls know they're going to be validated and supported and that 
you know, if they don't feel good about themselves, then how can I help you? Mm-hmm. You know, if Ava doesn't feel super comfortable in the body that she has right now, well, what can we do? You know, without making her feel like that's unacceptable yeah. to me. It's good. You know, even if the kids at school are saying, you know, you're too big to be on our team mm-hmm. or you can't play soccer, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever horrible, hurtful things that, you know, kids say. Yeah. And we have to teach them, you know, why it is those people are saying those things, right? There's kind of this layer. It's like, right. one, this is our value. This yes. is God's value of you. And they're going to care way more about that than they are eventually about some other person. Right. But also, like, we have to teach them, those kids are insecure, hurt kids, too. Exactly. Right? And their parents probably aren't teaching them how to talk yes. to people. And they're working out of their own, you know, trying to get affirmation. And so it's just this big mess. Right. Yes. But, like, when we were growing up, nobody told us that. No. Right. No. You know? No. I, no. I, yeah, I went through bad bullying uh, in seventh grade, and I hid in the library every every recess because no. these two seniors would ring pop me. No. You know, they'd turn yeah. their senior ring around hit me in the back of the head. And I would hide, and that's where I actually got, like, this passion for reading and fantasy novels and because yeah. I would just read for an hour, and then I'd go back to class just right. so I didn't mess with them. Um, but but those nobody came beside me and said, hey, these kids are insecure, you know, bullies, and, and their dads are punks and, you know, whatever. So I'm just right. like, what's wrong with me? You know, right. why won't these guys like me? Why, why is being kind and nice yeah. getting, you know, targeted? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we have lots of conversations like that around our house. Because that was kind of the one thing, you know, everybody always says, oh, my God, you have three girls. I'm like, it doesn't have to be that scary. Mm -hmm. You know, because it was just my mission when I had them that I didn't care what we were going to do, but we were going to be kind. And so I just was always, like, honing in go ask so-and-so on the playground if they want to play. Be inclusive, yeah. Yes, because... Once again, thankfully, I had the awareness of, like, you don't want to go through, (laughs) you don't want them to either experience or be the giver of whatever really hurt you, you know. Um, Of course, they're not perfect, but we have lots of conversations. I mean, that's the thing that I think, and I'm sure you would say the same thing because you're really open with your kids, too. Yes. I've never really not had adult conversation with my kids. Yeah, mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. always kind of been, we, we talk about this yes. all the time. <laughs> I mean, of course, we're not talking about like things they shouldn't know or details. Yeah, age appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But I mean, my kids know I'm not uncomfortable to talk about sex. Mm-hmm. I'm not uncomfortable to talk about anything. Yes. You know, it's just... And their friends come to me, too, which I think is so hysterical, you know, because they're like, my mom will talk to you about that. (laughs) And um, I don't know. I mean, that's good. Well, the way people treat us is a reflection of how they feel about themselves. Mm -hmm. So nothing's really personal. It feels personal and it hurts. Yet, no matter what, through, you know, cultural norms change, right? You know, in the 50s, different size was was popular. So, you know, no matter what it is, we have to go to the root. And the root is we have to know that we're worthy. Mm -hmm. And we're worthy because of God. It's a gift. We're priceless in his eyes. Mm -hmm. On our worst day, on our best day, we're we're not less on our worst day and we're not more on our best day. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, then it becomes almost like, 
a game of whack-a-mole because once you achieve the body size, well, guess what? Something else is going to come up yeah, unless the root, out. right? See, right? Okay, <laughs> unless Truth. the root, and and that's what life teaches us. So good, and that's how we learn. And it's interesting. Like I'm so sad, you know, to hear about you know you being bullied. And at the same time, you discovered your love for reading and learning, and you learn who you were. And that's what we do in the counseling office. We help empower kids. We're never going to stop it. Yep. You know, and I'll tell kids, you know, it happens when you're an adult. You know, you have people. But, but I know when someone treats me poorly, I think, man, I wonder what they're going through. Mm -hmm. And then the same thing with me, because I can look back times when I'm struggling or when I was grieving. I didn't treat people the way I normally do. And I like to treat people mm -hmm. well. That's important to me. Mm -hmm. But I can look back. And so we want to empower our kids with that information. And my daughter was, um, and she won't mind me sharing this because I asked her, but she was bullied um, by a group of girls and when she was in the fifth grade. And in that time, it was very hard, but she learned her strength. And she learned who she was and she learned she didn't have to hustle for worthiness from people. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to get it from people because people are going to treat us how they feel about yep. themselves. So sure. happy people don't tear other people down. That's right. But we, uh, we encounter broken people all the time. Yeah. I think you're right. And I think, you know, listen, men and women have totally different issues. But it does come down, a lot of times it comes back down to that root conversation. Yeah. You know, we need to honor and respect the differences. I love feminism to a degree, right? Mm -hmm. But it can also get really toxic when it misses the root. Mm -hmm. I love I love masculinity to a degree, degree, but it can get really toxic when it misses the root. Mm -hmm. You know, and we, we have this weird argument in our culture right now where everybody's trying to take the fringes and hyper right. make it hyperbolic yeah. and like just talk about it. And it's like... Okay, well, just because someone says, I want to work at home and be a good mom, and that's a dream, doesn't make her less of a person. And just because somebody says, hey, I don't want to do that and I want to work, doesn't make her less of a person. Right. Just because a guy's trying to teach his son to work in the yard and, and to be tough, right? It depends on the type of tough he's trying to talk yeah. about, right? What makes you tough is being emotionally intelligent and being mm -hmm. able to right. deal with things. And that's actually hard. Right. You know, but again we we get the the fringes that talk about it and then they make everything sexist and and you know they just magnify these parts that are really missing the point yes and so we talk about bullying it's like with women i think there is a biological jordan peterson talks about this all the time like there's a biological thing where you know men if we're and i can just remember this growing up if there's an argument or there's a gossip like somebody's getting punched in the mouth right, <laughs> right. and so it's a very quick you know, biological yes. like ending of that drama, because if I'm talking to, to John about, you know, Bill at the basketball game, the next time I see Bill, he might deck me. So <laughs> right. it limits some of the verbal and emotional kind of conflict. Right. Whereas women, they don't have that same fear. Mm -hmm. And so it turns into a lot more gossiping slander mm -hmm. and, and getting their needs met with verbal and emotional kind of yeah. like attacking. And I'm, again, there's a spectrum, but I found that to be pretty accurate. What do y'all yeah. think about that? Oh, agree. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And even as adults, right? I mean, mm -hmm. guys can kind of have a little bickering and then we talk, we're like, you know, screw you. Mm -hmm. and it's over. And then we're like, move on. Yeah. And then a lot of times you see, oh yeah, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. And then they treat you different the next six mm -hmm. months. Right. Yes. So, oh yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. Because they're not really okay. Right. <laughs> right. right. 
and I'm, not, I'm not saying all the guys are okay either. I'm just saying the mode that they deal with it is oh, so different. Yeah, for sure. And then I think that leads to more internalization with girls. And then it's like, Absolutely. well, then I can't be right. That's you what know, I was pointing to. Again. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, just had this conversation with one of my daughters over the weekend, you know, having a little bit of a friend issue. And I we started to realize that their response was really a lot of gaslighting. Mm -hmm. You know, they weren't, they weren't in the headspace to be able to acknowledge just her feelings. We're not even going right or wrong right. that this is how she's feeling. And so I was like, disengage, you know, let's just disengage and kind of reassess who your safe people are mm -hmm. that you can go and get your emotional needs met even if your emotional needs met are being met by a different group than like your social needs, mm -hmm. you know, um, because it happens. Yeah. I mean that, like you said, the, they get their feelings hurt and then the behavior does change, yep. you know, among the friendship or the group or whatever it is. And if parents aren't talking to their kids about it, which it's most likely most parents don't even know that the argument has existed, mm -hmm. you know? Um, well, yeah, and that's the problem, yes. right? They're not talking to their right. kids. Right, yes. mm -hmm. right. And so... Um, so how do you guys, uh, raising girls, how do you specifically, you know, obviously you're being mindful about all those things, but how do you engage in those conversations? Or how did you, as they were growing up, being little up until teenage years, what were some things you did that were like, you now see as like them becoming young adults were super paid off really well to keep the, to keep that conversation going. You got to be present. You got to be present with your kids. Mm -hmm. um, listen and not just talk because they mm -hmm. want to be heard. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's the way to do play, have fun, go do things together. Even when things are, are hard, make that time to, to be with your, your daughters and listen to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think patience is so important. You know, kids are kids, <laughs> and they're not always going to do it right. And goodness knows, you know, um, there have been many times when I've had to really, like, garner some major patience. But I think I wanted to establish that relationship with mine where they're not greeted by shame right. as, like, the initial reaction from me yes. you know I, I talk about this a lot in my office because we use disappointment and that's such a heavy word because mm. you know we can and and my middle daughter is kind of dealing with some of this right now and we might get into this in a minute but um she's really been battling with depression mm -hmm. and a lot of it stems from feeling like she's a disappointment mm -hmm. And, um, like I said, some of it's self-imposed, some of it has to do with some relationship difficulties that she's having, but I think it's such a heavy word that we can put on people, but particularly our kids. Mm -hmm. And then we don't really tell them, well, how are, how do you not be a disappointment? Yeah. You know? And so trying to kind of establish what are the consequences to behavior and, um, you know, establishing boundaries with them. Yes. Like, I would say, I don't know if my kids would say it, but I have more of an authoritative 
you know, I don't necessarily have never really subscribed to like the because I told you so or because I'm the parent. Mm -hmm. But I think they know there's consequences to their behavior, you know, but I always want to be safe for them. And I think what I find with so many of the teens, and you might find the same thing, a lot of them don't necessarily feel like their parents are safe. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily think that's a dig to the parent. It's just... They might not know how. They might not know how. And that's kind of what I help the child to see or the adolescent to see. You know, it's really not about you all the time. Yeah. You know. um, Yes. I don't know. Yes. And children aren't just preparing to live. Yes. They're not... They're already living. Yeah. And I think as parents, sometimes we forget that because we want to prepare them and we want to teach them and we want them to have everything we didn't have. Yet struggle, none of us are immune to struggle. We have to go through it. And that's how we learn. That's how we strengthen, how we get gain strength. So they're not just preparing to live. They are living and their opinions matter. Their thoughts matter. And we need to be a soft place to fall. Yeah. And sometimes mm-hmm. we do have to turn that pressure cooker down in the home, even mm-hmm. if they're not obeying or not doing what they need to do and find out what is going on. Mm-hmm. Because my child is not okay right now. I know that by the behavior. Mm-hmm. Right? So what's going on and how can I help? How can we connect? And how can we help them through it? That's so good. Yeah, that's and that's why it's so so important to be doing your own work and to be keenly yes. aware of your own issues. Mm-hmm. Is because when you're you're not present and you're not mindful, then yeah, you get into the what we've seen in history, especially in psychology, even is behavior modification. Yeah, right, which is what we're talking about. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, I hope I, I haven't said it yet, and uh, again by the grace of God, but like. I'm planning on never telling my kid that they're a disappointment. Right. Yeah. Right. Or that they disappointed me. No. Right. Right. Because that, to me, that idea would mean I don't have a proper perspective yeah. of their humanity. And I, me and my yes. wife tell me this all the time. I'm like, yes. we should be, we should assume that Grady and Jude are going to get it wrong nine out of 10 times and be really excited when they get yes. it right because they're learning. Absolutely. And instead, they do great for two weeks and they have one day where they're kind of off and I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, this is so annoying or it's overwhelming. It's like, well, Clint, they had one bad day. Like yeah. you don't get a bad day. Yeah. You right. know, like you, you had more than one bad day right. this week. Like, right. And, and yet we, you're right. Mm-hmm. Like they're actively living their life yes. out with us. Yes. And, um, and I think that comes from, I mean, a little bit of bad psychology of, you know, a plus B equals C right? and a lack of theology that says this kid is God's kid. Mm-hmm. He's created them to be a separate thing from you. And so, you know, especially as a dad, I think there's that old school, you're going to be a Davis and you're going to do this. And it's like, no, I want to figure out who you are. And then I want you to come into our family and accentuate it and, you know, and all these kind of things. And I think that works for boys and girls. But I do think that girls being more relationally, there is a a smaller margin for error. Mm -hmm. Right. I think boys need just as much affection, attention, affirmation, all those kind of things. But I think the consequences for girls tends to kind of blow out more than what I see with absolutely relationally. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Because I think boys can, they can, you know, the culture's like, it's a pro and a con, right? The culture, you know, playing sports, building stuff, being tough. Like it's not a good way to get your affirmation. You just don't see all that cost until later. Because they can do all the work. Right. Where I think girls, um, they tend to, in their social settings, they need more and need more connectiveness. And so they, it, it kind of implodes in their 
in their relationships earlier. For sure. Men just don't learn how to be emotional and then it implodes in their relationships mm-hmm. later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In my opinion. Mm-hmm. On a spectrum, always. Yes. Yeah. Every every situation's different. But even when you know, even when like I'm a very emotional man and, and even in the last five years of therapy, I'm like, oh gosh, like I have so much that I, I'm not even tapping into that my kids have brought out in me, you right. know, that I'm like, oh man, it's just more depth to what God can show you and healing that he can bring you. And Definitely. It's good stuff. It's yeah. good. What, um, okay. So what are the differences? Cause I feel like you tell me if I'm wrong, I feel like we've had the same problems forever, men and women. And yet our culture with technology and social media has just taken those situations and just blown them up. So if your girls are 20 and how old your oldest, so yours are right in the She'll mix be 18, of it. Yeah. 15 and 12. So how have you guys with your clients and then with your own kids seen social media and the internet kind of, have you, have you seen it cause worse problems? Have you, you know, yeah. And what are some of those? <laughs> Not just in client, in my own life. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I need to take a fast. I've been mm-hmm. thinking about that for yeah. a long time. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't think there's a family on the planet that social media hasn't touched in some way, especially if you're trying to parent in mm-hmm. this day and age. Because, you know, in the whole, like, so-and-so has it, I've just kind of really tried to parent mine individually, knowing kind of their different personality traits um as i mentioned earlier my oldest is extremely self-assured she doesn't really buy into it the same way that my middle one Mm -hmm. would and so i had to really think long and hard about that before i let her have it and it was kind of the unpopular opinion because well ella got it you know at such and such time well Ella's a different person. Yeah. I mean, she's not you. Right. You know. That's um, a great, I mean, that's a great point is that people have to know their kids yes, individually yes. and what they can have. Absolutely. Yeah, what they can handle. Yeah. And fa- that that's not about it not being fair. Right. It that's actually right. is fair. Yes. Because you, you're going to kill yourself with this thing yes. and you won't. Right? right. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. And. I mean, that goes with everything, right? Like parenting the individual child. Because you cannot, I cannot talk to my oldest the same way I can talk to my middle one. I have to be very much more, you know, ginger with how I speak to my middle one. That doesn't make it, like, she's not broken or bad. It's just I want to respect who she is Mm. and how she's going to respond better to me, you know, in the way that I'm loving her. Um, That's so good. But I think with social media, <laughs> ah, I mean, people's highlight reels, mm-hmm. right? They're not putting their struggles usually, no. typically, yeah, <laughs> on social media. Well, and um, I'm asking this to dial in on it just to give you some context to people listening. Because we talked a lot about porn and masturbation mm-hmm. and all these kind of sexual things for boys, which tends to be the big thing. Mm-hmm. And they have problems with social media too, but they're not whitening their teeth and putting on filters. Right. You know, I'm I'm not saying they don't, don't, you know, on a spectrum, Mm -hmm. but for the most part, what I see with social media is just the, the taking of body dysmorphia and then just exploding it. Exploding it. Mm -hmm. I mean, the apps where you can airbrush your face Mm -hmm. and, you know, shrink in your waist. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the picture, you're like, is that even the person? Right. I don't know. I don't think so. Um, 
I know what's touched my foul. I don't know about yours. We only wear one outfit one time. And I'm like, well, we need to start renting your clothes now because <laughs> we can't keep purchasing all these clothes because once they go on social media, it's like they're done. You know, maybe that's poor parenting on my no, part. I don't know. I had like the one dress. If I was going to an event, I was wearing the dress. Yes. Right, right. <laughs> yes. You know, I had like a favorite shirt. Right? I just wore it everywhere I went. Right, for sure. And but now they can only wear it one time. Apparently. That's insane. You know, I mean, and I'm, I'm kind of teasing a little bit, but not really. I mean, it, it's definitely just, I don't know. What do you think? Because Cass is older. Yes. Well, I think it's important to educate, you know, and we need to be educated as parents and therapists. We got to know what's going on out there. And, and two, continue to go to the core because anyone can follow a rule right but if they're not really owning it then in a, in, a, in a situation where there's pressure or if they're impulsive you know or something they get in a relationship or something and they feel pressure you know it's not just about following the rule at that point it's about knowing who you are yeah, yeah and knowing this is me and this is what I stand for and sure. this is what I want for my life and this is how I feel about myself so I think continually, because life will bring things back to us again and again. They come packaged in different ways. So right now in culture, this is, it's never been like this. Like I, you know, I've practiced for 15 years. 15 years ago, the kids I dealt with, like I look at some of the things that, that, that comes in my office now. A lot of it was not in my office 15 years ago. 100%. Sure. Unbelievable to me, right? Mm -hmm. It's a whole... So so we have to... Can you tell um, me a, a few of what those things are? Yeah. Well, a lot of it is the um, is gender, mm -hmm. you know, have an understanding of that. Um, also, you know, the social media, you know, the the how easy it is to access information mm -hmm. used to be, you know, if you wanted to see something or, or learn something that maybe wasn't healthy for you, it would be, you know, you'd have to go through a lot of <laughs> ways to get to that. Yeah. Sure. So you're talking about like self-harm or yeah. body dysmorphia. Yeah. We stuff. see more self-harm, yep. right? Because they didn't know about it. Mm -hmm. right? right. And now they can look it up and see. Yeah. From a clinical perspective, I think, um, what, what we've learned in research is that women, especially when they get on something and they get in group situations, they take on a, on that, that feeling themselves. Do you find that to be accurate? Mm -hmm. Yes. Like we knew that with eating disorders, we knew that with self harm mm -hmm. and with social media, it just gives them the full blown access to going, Oh, well I'm going to follow this TikToker, and then I'm going to get 20 TikTok videos about depression. Mm -hmm. And then I'm just yes. down the, the road. I'm not saying they don't have depression, but I'm saying it starts as a little seed. Sure. Right. right? And then they want to feel connected. They right. want to feel known. They want to feel part of something. Right. And then it just is and all they the want. And that's the key. So that's the root. They want to feel connected. Mm -hmm. They want to feel known. And helping our children know that that's what they're looking for and yes. how to find it. And no matter where we are in culture, you're not going to get it there. That's good. You know, all mm. we have to do is look at, you know, our, the famous people of our world, the most beautiful people, the richest people. You know, how often do we look at, the, you know, news and they've tried to commit suicide? And mm -hmm. you think, why then? They have everything. Mm -hmm. The truth is they don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's so good. And so it'll never fill us. And I think letting our daughters know that 
you know, and, and those kids that we work with to understand that how you get it, mm-hmm. how you get to that place is, is vital. That's good. What do you think, Mayor? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, this might be spinning us off for a little bit, but I know oh, like one of the big things that I have talked to my girls about and I talk to any adolescent that comes into my office just the gravity of i mean employers are now going to social media accounts to see oh i do it right Mm -hmm. i mean and just how one decision can alter your life and i tell you know i tell mine i'm like it's essentially like i'm handing you a loaded gun and asking you not to shoot anyone yep you know and so that's why we're going to talk about it i'm constantly asking them are you involved with anyone you don't know online you know and I mean they're like rolling there I was like no mom we know but I mean just trying to stay as connected as possible so that we can't make all their decisions for them obviously Mm -hmm. but just having the conversations with them about this like you might not be thinking about whether the medical school that you want to get into is going to look at this post that you made back when you were a freshman in high school. Right. But it's happening. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, or if you're going to be a senator or, you know, an correct. opera singer or any other yes. big public figure, they're going to look back. Like our digital thumbprint is Absolutely. right there. Absolutely. You know, and so I think. Um, what you what you think politically right now at 17 or 20 right. is not going to be what you think, think yeah. at 30. Right. Yeah. I mean. I don't know. That that was not exactly what we were talking no, about, but I just no, I was good. thinking about it in relationship to the social media aspect because I know that's just a conversation that comes up in our house constantly. You know, and I have girls that I've counseled that have shared pictures of themselves because they thought they were in love. Mm-hmm. You know, and just like once it's out there, it's out there. Well, yeah, again, you know? the margin for error is so small with, right. with technology. Right. So where we didn't have text messaging to send somebody a nude right. photo. Exactly. Right. I mean, you might flash somebody. Right. You know what I mean? Like that, and that's what used to be yes. like in movies, right? right? It's like a girl going down the street, pulling her shirt up, and that was like the hot right. kind of fun, cool thing. Yeah. And now, I mean, that's the average teenager in high school is sending nude pictures. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like 56% of them have. Yeah. Like that's insane. Insane. You know, I was reading this article the other day that was saying, you know, in a lot of high schools that one of the games they play is how many nude pictures of girls can you have on your phone as a boy? Like how many, how many can you get? And whoever has the most kind of wins, which is a problem both ways. It's a problem of girls not knowing they don't need to send these pictures and a problem, you know, from the boys of, of consuming porn. And I think, you know, even, even with that, I mean, that's the new thing. And I think, you you know, you, your girls are right in the mix of it or right on the other side of it, but we're seeing a lot of 12, 13, 14 year old girls struggling with pornography in a way that you would have never Never. seen 10 years ago. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's showing up in my office for sure. Yes. You know. And so why do we think that is? Well, why would you say that 10 years ago, you know, because boys and girls scientifically are the same, let's say 10 years ago, what's been, why is social media or the internet allowed for that to be such an increase in girls? Hmm. Curiosity. Mm hmm. So access, right? They're curious, and so they can just go on and look at it. I think I've had a lot of conversations with 
adolescents that I counsel about they felt compelled to go on and learn this so that they could perform there we go yep the way that the man or the boy that they were going to be with would be would find acceptable absolutely um and then maybe what started out as just a very innocent like i'm going to teach myself turns into an addiction Mm -hmm. and then you know they're and we don't talk about it it's not as normalized for girls you know it's kind of like majorly taboo Uh um it's it's I feel like much more normalized for guys to talk about porn addiction right. than it is for girls, mm-hmm. right? You know, or women. But um, I mean, I would say the same thing about masturbation. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's such a joke, uh, ad hoc joke on a show about a guy, right? But it's still a struggle with women, and I think becoming more and more clinically because of the addiction and because of the attachment and because of the all the things we've been talking about, right? And then because I think there's the stigma related to that, then mm-hmm. it leads to the substance abuse. Yep. And then it leads to the shame. Yep. And it's just this cycle that repeats. You it's know. so good. Um, it's bad, but it's right. You're communicating yeah. it well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Well, and that cycle is the point. Right. And what I want for people is to hear, like, how to not get on the cycle in the first mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to screw up. Right. right? They're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. But what I hear from y'all is... Having conversation, having close relationships, you know, like having that bridge between you that's going to be able to hold it and then giving them context. Right. Right. Having moms and dads who go, hey, listen, here's how like because if they're 14 and they're learning from porn how they should be acting, we've missed the boat on having a conversation about sex and how men should treat you and how you should be treated. Yes. And if you're you got to double down on that, if there's not a dad or a brother or somebody in the home teaching you that respectfully, too. Right. And I think that's part of the problem. It's like, if you have great parents and they're together, it's hard enough. But if you're missing half of that one way or the other, then you got to double down and overcompensate because the culture is definitely going to teach them. Right. Absolutely. And I know I share with my girls, it's normal right. to feel attracted to someone. Mm-hmm. That's completely normal. It would almost be more weird if you didn't. Right. It's how you respond to that, mm-hmm. you know, and what you've set. You know, right now, my oldest is in a relationship. She has, like, made this proclamation. She wants to wait till marriage. Great. But I give her permission in the event that that starts to shift or she feels like maybe I'm wavering on that a little bit. I'm a safe place to come and talk to her, Mm -hmm. you know, about that. So we can, like, let's not be impulsive. Right. Let's talk through it. And then you make the informed decision for yourself. You know, because, I mean, she's about to be 18. Right. But I just, I mean, I cannot hone in on enough of that, of, like, establishing that connection. And I kind of talked or touched on it earlier. Um, My middle daughter in September came to me and openly shared with me that she was suicidal. Mm -hmm. Had we not established that type of relationship where she wasn't fearful of my reaction or that I was going to shame her or that I was going to be disappointed in her, that big D word again. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that our outcome would be the same. Yeah. I mean, and I'm just so thankful that we were able to kind of have that in place. Yeah. You know, so that she felt like she could say, 
I don't want to do this anymore. Right. And I mean, that's staggering. It is. You know, especially as a counselor. Yeah. You know, so none of us are immune to it. <laughs> no, definitely not. And you can be the best parent or mother in the world. Yeah. And our kids have the world that they're dealing Absolutely. with. Absolutely. And right now more than ever, yes. you know, the, the suicide rate has increased 176% yeah. in teens in the last 10 years yes. and the self-harm rate 200% since 2010, mm-hmm. you know, and, and what we're talking about today is some of the causes for those things. Right. Right. You for know, sure. Direct correlation. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's, um, it's like never before. And we're, we're not really addressing it. Right. Right. We're again, I think what we've talked about is great is we're addressing these behavioral things and we're mm-hmm. disappointed and we're frustrated and we're overwhelmed. And, and instead we should be going, well, of course you're struggling with this because look at what's attacking you. Look at right. what you're managing that you should not be managing at, at 14. Right. I think we've got to provide as many corrective experiences for our kids as we can. You know, that like when they mess up, it's not if, it's when they mess right. up, that we give them an opportunity to like really discover something about that experience that helps them to grow. That, And I keep using this word, but I just think, especially with what we've been dealing with, shame just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. I mean, and I think oftentimes parents don't even realize it. It, it. They don't even know that that's how they're making their child feel. Yeah. Can you define that for people? Shame. If they don't know what that is. I mean, I think it's just kind of a self-loathing of, you know, um, I don't know. How would it's you describe something's it? Something's wrong with you. Right. Yeah. It's then not, it's not that your behavior. Yeah. Right. Something must be wrong with you. And that's how the child internalizes. And our kids... You know, up until about age 10, kids are in that egocentric phase where everything they learn, they learn from from themselves. They feel like they're, it's their fault. Mm-hmm. So if mom and dad are having trouble, um, they'll inherently think, well, maybe if I had made better grades. Mm-hmm. or and, and I see that in my office really almost weekly. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you'll have both parents in and you'll be talking to the child and and I'll say, well, you know, this isn't your fault. And then one parent will always say, well, they know that, you know. But then I'll say, look, and, and then the child will be crying. Well, I didn't know. I thought maybe. And the reason for that is pure brain function. That's, yep. that's why they feel that way. But we can help them with information and, and be set free. Absolutely. And we shouldn't assume as parents. I think that's the other problem yes. is that right there. I see it all the time. Right. Well, they know I love them. Right. They know that that's not their fault. They yeah. do not. And if you have not yeah. communicated it a lot, yeah. they're still going to have this little piece. And we're trying to make that piece smaller and smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. Right? No matter what, we all struggle with insecurity. We all struggle with anxiety. Yes. We all, all struggle with body image issues. Like That's part of being in the world and falling. Right. Right. right? You know, I always say Adam and Eve had perfect parents. And look how that turned out. <laughs> so even if you do it all right, mm-hmm. we're going to be dealing with these things. But what happens is we go, Oh, well it's an imperfect world. So I'll just kind of go in half cocked. No, you still need to be on top of it and, and working and doing the work and being present and mindful. But at the same time, you can't blame yourself for every little thing that your kid turned out. Right. It's it's not a plus B equals C. Right. 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 You have to assess what could I have done better and how can I redo it? Mm -hmm. And the other thing is the kids are super, super resilient. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean beat them up as much as you can because they're going to get over it. It means when you screw up, 
don't panic, but readjust because yes. they'll recover. Right. right. Absolutely. I love to ask my girls and I ask them this all the time. What can I do better? Mm-hmm. How can I love you better? Because I don't, they're changing. Right. Mm-hmm. They're evolving. I mean, my oldest love language is touch. She's never home. So I constantly say, <laughs> how am I doing? Yeah. How can I possibly be loving you the way you needed to be loved if you're never here? Right. You know, and so it's just kind of like staying in connection and kind of reassessing, like, yes. what can I do? Because, I mean, like you said, none of us are going to be perfect. Mm-mm. It's not the goal. But just like I want to be seen and loved, they do too. Yep. That's know? right. And and they're changing. That's I mean, they're right. The way they wanted to be loved at 10 is not the same at 15. That's so true. You know. That's a good point. That's so true. And we have to be ready for that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, which means we might need to learn. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. from a therapist, from a pastor, from a book, you know, what it is that our kids are going through and how can we be ahead of the curve? Because I think that's the other thing that I see a lot is we do a problem happens, puberty happens, uh, you know, a period starts. Mm -hmm. We catch him watching porn. We catch him self-harming. And then we're like, how'd this happen? I was completely unaware. And yes, in rare circumstances, that can that can be the case. But more times than not, we look back, right? All of us have as parents and been like, ooh, I was stressing or struggling with this thing. And so I wasn't paying attention to them because I was worried more about myself than them. And yes. we have to readjust. So for me, I want people to see like with the girls, you know, we have to be ahead of the curve. We have to be having conversations with them, not when they're in the midst of bullying or not when they're in the midst of puberty or not when they're in the midst of anxiety and depression, Mm -hmm. but like, Hey, this stuff's coming. This is what I've dealt with. This is what women deal with. If you have these things go on, come back and let's figure out how it's affecting you as an individual. Yes. Mm -hmm. Not, this is how it affects all girls and this is exactly how it's going to play out. But here's some things that could happen. If it happens, please come talk to me about it and we'll, We'll adapt and I won't shame you, right? I won't exactly. make this about your worth and value. Mm-hmm. I won't make this about you not being enough or a disappointment or. And really, I think as a parent, it's also recognizing we can't always make it about us too, <laughs> you know, because I think a lot of our response sometimes is out of our own pride, 100%. Like not wanting to feel like we didn't do it right or. Yeah. And know. I was, that's a great segue into, you know, toxic motherhood or narcissistic moms. And so tell me a little bit about how you, from a clinical perspective or personal perspective, what are some of the, of the like major problems with that? Because I think moms affect, you know, if they're unhealthy and they're toxic and they're narcissistic, which means right. They had trauma and a story and it's not a judgment, but it's like that still causes all these problems. Sure. Yes. So what would y'all say are some of the things you see in your office or that you've experienced? Well, what, what we do in those cases, and we can learn pretty quick when we're working with children, um, you know, many, many times the parents are on board and they want to learn and they want to grow with their child. But sometimes you're in a situation where one parent has a personality disorder or they have some mental illness that we know is chronic and is going to continue. So at that point, we educate the child mm-hmm. and teach them how to cope. I remember I had this child many, many, probably 15 years ago, like it was like when I first started practicing and I had this child and he, um, he, his mother had some very unhealthy, um, patterns and he had to speak to her on the phone court ordered every Wednesday night. And he was such a sensitive, wonderful child. And, and he took on so much 
of her moods and so some nights she would talk to him and you know she'd be in a good mood and she'd talk about how they were going to go get ice cream the next time she saw him or she was going to bring him something but then the next night you know next Wednesday night you know she'd say y'all have ruined my life you've ruined my life and and your father's ruined my life and he would be so sad so Mm -hmm. he would come to me every Thursday and through play therapy um one day we were playing with these cars and it was one of those cars, and you may have seen them where the um, the engine pops up. Mm-hmm. And just mm-hmm. as we were playing, I said, you know what? I said, you know, Mama's kind of like that car. She looks like a car, and sometimes she works. But when you pop open that hood, the wires are different. Mm-hmm. And that helped him understand, and it helped him externalize from what was going on. So... As as time progressed, like on Thursdays, he would come in and he'd say, oh, Miss Tammy, he'd say, that car was acting up last night. <laughs> it was not working. It was backfiring. And, you know, we would have a moment and we'd talk through it. And then another time he'd come and say, oh, Miss Tammy, the car was working. You know, it was just a great so car sweet. last night. Yeah. But through that, he got to understand, you know, that as much as this hurts, and as much as we want to fix it, there's some things as therapists, right, we, we can't fix. But what we can do is empower children yeah. and let them know that this is not about them. This car, so to speak, was broken before this child was born. Mm-hmm. And that's going to continue. Those patterns are going to continue. Mm-hmm. But it's not about this precious child. And there's nothing he could do better, you know, and, and to help him understand um, you know, the, the, the nature in, in the way he could understand of mental illness. So we do a lot of that in the mm-hmm. office. Good. And we do a lot of inner child work. Yes. Know, and that kind of goes back. I do a ton um, with my clients of kind of having them revisit. Right. You're talking about adult clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Adult clients and have them kind of um, basically parent them the way they needed to be parented when they weren't yes you know and we will do letters like they'll write a letter to themselves when they were whatever age maybe they feel like was they were most um i hate to use this word but victimized yeah you know um because i think that helps them to it it really kind of helps remove don't you think like it helps them to see that if their parent had known better, they would have done better. Yes. Yeah. And it's not personal, it's even not though personal. it feels super personal, yes. yeah. you know, because that's your parent. Yeah. yeah, It's like one of the two people on the planet yeah. that's supposed to just love you yes. unconditionally. And unfortunately what I see is that so many parents love conditionally. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you don't perform the way I want you to perform, or if you don't protect me, mm-hmm or love me a certain way, you know, and of of course that snowballs. Mm -hmm. It affects how they enter into relationships, Mm -hmm. how they parent their own children. Um, But I find that that's actually really effective Yeah, is to have them kind of go back and tell that little person what did they need. Yes. Mm -hmm. What, it wasn't about you. Yes. It's good. You know. Yeah, as you were talking to me, I was thinking all that just applies to our adult client. Like all that work that you do applies to the adult client. You nailed it perfectly because yes. that's that's the point. If you're hurt, we're talking about raising girls, 
right? And so we're trying to avoid hurting them right, right. now like we were hurt. Mm-hmm. But if right. you're out there listening to this and you're like, man, I have, I'm not doing yeah. a good job. I feel like I'm, I don't know what to do. I'm very emotional. I'm very over the, over the top. I'm very direct. I'm not, you know, and my kids are having all these issues. It may be that you need to stop and, and heal that inner child in yourself yeah, and realize that, man, I am reacting to my kids because they remind me of my mother or they remind me yes. when I was a kid or they, they're triggering these things in me. And that's the first step to being able to change is, is you know, being mindful about why it's happening. You know, and so many people, unfortunately, don't get educated or don't read or don't know. And so there's all this carryover from their childhood. But it is amazing to get somebody to go back and with a little bit of work, be able to be mindful about that little little kid. And Mm -hmm. I always say, like, it's the little kid wanting to have a say. Yes. Right. They you know, you find yourself being real emotional or or real over the top or real shut down. It's like, yeah, that little that little girl in you, that little boy in you is coming up and being like, nope, not this time. Right. I had to deal with that for 15 years. I'm right. certainly not dealing that with my husband or my boss mm-hmm. or my whoever right now. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm going to do my thing this time. Yes. And when you get them to realize, well, even then, it had very little to do with your worth and value. None to do with your worth and right. value and very right. little to do with you in general. Right. Then in these moments during adulthood, they're like, okay, hold on. Tammy didn't respond to me in a text yeah. message or somebody didn't yes. turn something in or somebody, yes. you know, got fussy with me. That has nothing to do with me. Right. Yeah. This is a very tiny, isolated thing. But when right. we don't connect it back to the hundreds of times when it did have something to do right. with our parent and our attachment, yes. then we start reacting back then. Right. Definitely. And so I love to see people get that empowerment of like, oh, I don't have to act like a child. Yes. Like I don't have to yell and scream and throw a tantrum or shut down or control or do drugs or right. whatever right. that impulsive thing is that right. I've done my whole life. But yeah. I want to I remind people that if you're, if you have those things going on, those are also the things that helped you live. Right. Right. The, right. the coping skills that right. saved your life. Sure. Yes. Like, and I would say that for you, Meredith, yeah. those in you know, me and Tammy and everybody yes. else, but like you've shared it. So it's like yes. that, Oh, I got to pay attention. I got to mind. I got to take care of people that saved you. It yes. did. Right. It just ain't going to save you now in right. good relationships. And I think that's huge. And what I really try to work on with all of my clients is just it, you give them a permission to forgive, mm-hmm. you know, because I have so many people that come in and say I'm broken. I say you're not broken, you're healing. Right. Yes. I mean, and we don't have to stay broken. And when we start to kind of make that connection of how it wasn't personal or it was how we survived, mm-hmm. we really just give ourselves that freedom to like let that go. Mm-hmm. You know that we don't have to hold on to disdain for our parent that maybe didn't do it right yeah you know um it reminds me of the i can't remember what asian culture it is but they do like the potted stuff and they and it, anything that breaks they then redo it with gold yes and so it's like you know this broken that. piece that yes. goes well yeah but this that's golden it, it creates this other beautiful thing if we heal right right if we restore it if we if we do it it's it's so invaluable right and I think that's that's the key. It goes back to us talking about strengths and weaknesses. Right. I will say, and I've had this happen in group a couple times, and so I'm trying to remember to say it, but we always say our parents are doing the best they can with what they have. You know, they, they have good intentions. But that is most of the time true. But there are cases where parents are intentionally being cruel and awful yes. because, mm-hmm. yes, deep down it comes from insecurity. Mm-hmm. But sometimes parents are just being mean to you to be mean to you. Yeah. And that's a whole different level of trauma right. and work we have to do. So I do want to acknowledge that, that 
for most people, it's like I can differentiate and say, hey, listen, my parents just didn't have the education. They thought when they spanked me or they thought when they, they yelled at me or they thought when they talked to me about, you know, being strong or being tough that it was encouraging or they thought when they didn't, you know, hug me and console me when I skipped my knee that that was going to make me strong. They really did have good intentions. It just right. was terrible information. Right. And then there are situations where there's sexual abuse or physical violence or, you know, a host of other issues where – they didn't think what they were doing was good. They just right. wanted to do the thing. Right. And so for those people listening, like there is a difference and both can be worked out and healed and forgiven right. and restored. Absolutely. But it's going to still come down to that same thing of what does it say about you? Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's it, them being really toxic and unhealthy and abusive says nothing about you. Right. Absolutely. Or if they just didn't know and they were making not as good of choices, informed choices, that still doesn't have anything to do with you. So I love that, you know, both of you said multiple times, like it is getting to the root. And I think for our kids, it's invaluable early on for us to emotionally teach them that. Yes. You know, that me and my son say it all the time. Like if somebody's doing something at school, it has nothing to do with you. Right. Right. You need to assess if you could do something differently or if you had any input in it. But it has nothing to do with how loved you are, how safe you are, how worthy you are. Mm -hmm. So that when he's 15 and there's a real bully. Sure. His instinct is... I'm not even going to worry about this dude because he's secure, right? He's like, yes. this guy's got problems. His dad probably beats him. Like, yes. you know, whatever scenario he builds up. Right. But, man, so many of us, our first instinct when someone does something is, what did I do? Yes. Mm-hmm. What could I have done differently to not, you know, not need that? Or I should have moved mountains so they weren't upset. Mm-hmm. And, man, I mean, just them. I know in my own life that tends to be my response. And sure. So, and I think it gets trickier if that person is your parent. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, because you... I mean, I'm constantly in my own life and in counseling, you know, at what point can we remove ourselves from a toxic relationship Mm -hmm. or an abusive relationship because it's what's more loving to us? Yes. Ultimately, do we just withstand it forever? No. Yeah. You know, and really kind of empowering. And I, I, and so going back to because we're talking about girls is never feeling like you have to lose your voice. Yes. You know, that it's okay. Oh, I mean, absolutely. sometimes parents are the abuser. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know. And healing is a lot of small steps. Mm-hmm. We have those big moments in therapy where a light shined on what's mm-hmm. going on. And then we're like, okay. But healing is a lot of small steps. Mm-hmm. And one way that, that our girls can learn this is to learn that they can show up for themselves. Absolutely. In the ways that maybe we've been inadequate or missed the mark because we're only human. Right. They can show up for themselves. And mm-hmm. I was really, um, Cassidy said something that really um, convicted me because we were talking about, you know, the bullies. And, you know, I'm kind of mama bear. So I'll think about it sometimes and I'll say, it just makes me so mad, you know. And I might, you know, and then Cassidy says, you know what, mom, though, she goes, I would hope they've grown through that. Mm-hmm. And I'd hope she said, I wouldn't want to be judged for something I did, you know, when I was younger, even when I was in high school. And I thought, you know what? You're right. Mm-hmm. You know, because we're all growing. Sure. Yeah. And we got to remember that. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. I had a client once and he his biggest thing was he wanted to go back and apologize you know, for being a bully oh, wow. in high school. And yeah. we talked through it and he knew yeah. this one guy, the particular that he had bullied. And then there's such a balance in, uh, 
and owning, owning that and then being like, also, you have to respect that person's life and space. And they may That's not right. need you to apologize. <laughs> That's right. So you might not want to Instagram they message They may not even remember. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I posted a thing this morning. It said, children who grow up feeling like burdens become adults who feel guilty choosing themselves. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Ooh, and so it's like. what we're talking about. Yes. It, it just, it literally is right on point. Yeah. Because, again, I think this is a really, I've talked about this on here before, but I, maybe we can wrap up with this. But I, I think. This whole idea, especially for women who are nurturing and serving and giving and loving, and you just have this thing in you that's just, no matter how emotional I am as a man, I just don't get sometimes. And um, and yet, that can be used against you so much. And mm-hmm. so, this idea that you have to, that taking care of yourself or saying no to a man or setting a boundary with a husband or, a, you know, a spouse or a boss or whoever is somehow you being weak or you being selfish, mm-hmm. right? It a hundred percent comes from this parental narrative because if you don't, if you didn't learn it right from your parents, then you're not thinking that way. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, you're going to be like, Oh no, I'm standing up for myself. You know, like, or if your personality is just a little bit more extroverted, but we learn that in, and in church we get this talk. This is what I was going to say is that we get this weird toxic thing about Jesus where you know, we say you got to pick up your cross and, and follow me. You've got to, you know, die on your cross. You've got to, you know, bear each other's burdens, all these things. And those things are great. But Jesus didn't die on the cross every time there was an opportunity. Mm-hmm. There were multiple times where the Jews came or the Romans came mm-hmm. to get Jesus. And he said, I'm slipping out the bat. Mm-hmm. Right. It literally says he disappears. And what I mean by that is like, yes, we should definitely have the heart of service and sacrifice. But also we have to Jesus knew who he was right so there's this idea of selfhood right that's different than being selfless or selfish and we kind of oscillate between the two we're like I'm selfish if I have needs or I need to be selfless and I need to just tend to their needs and the reality is Jesus did both he he took he knew who he was he knew his identity his worth and value cuz his father right his mother imbued that to him like mm-hmm. we can and then when there were relationship conflicts, he, he assessed, he goes, okay, what's best for them and me in this situation? Mm-hmm. So he, cruci- he went to the cross when it was best for everybody and himself, right. right? Because he knew what God's will was for him. And I think so many times as Christians, we go, well, this person's being rude and terrible and awful or extremely abusive and toxic, but I got to, you know, be like Christ and, and die to myself. And it's like, whoa, that's not what Jesus was teaching. We have to be that internally in our hearts because we don't want to be bitter and and angry and resentful. That's the work we have to do. But physically, we don't have to just sit here and get beat up. Right. Right. We don't have to emotionally just get beat up and say, okay, well, I'll just keep taking it. Mm -hmm. It's actually loving to say, hey, this is as far as I'm going to go. Right. And I'm going to step out of this because I do love you. Yep. Yes. You know, and I, I love you enough to know that that's got, you got to work that stuff out. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. But I think so many times we don't teach our kids healthy boundaries, even from a Christian perspective, we teach them a little bit of twisted scripture, mm-hmm. you know, right. and then they wait, they, they wind up like I, I have been a lot just like, Oh, well I, I can't ever express my needs or say, I don't like that because then they don't feel loved. And then they well, then they're extinguished. Right. I mean, they have, it's like we're putting them in a room with no oxygen mm-hmm. and expecting them to breathe. Absolutely. You know, there's just no room for them to be them. <laughs> no. And there's no room for error. There's no room for emotion. There's no room for feelings because they're responsible for everybody else's. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Closing up, any closing thoughts that you'd want people to know or um, about raising girls, advice, 
comments. Talk, talk, talk. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Honestly, I mean, I just think it, it's truly, I think, saved my daughter's life. Yes. It's good. That she felt like she could come to me. Yes. You know, when, when it was so scary to her. I mean, and of course, you know, scary to me too. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I'm just so thankful that that was established. I think that's truly when I kept thinking, you know, in coming in here and talking about teen girls, it's just, or raising girls, having that that relationship, you know, where they truly feel like I'm safe. I think yes. that's such a, a comfortable word. <laughs> yes. For that relationship to feel safe. Yes. Because, you know, it'd be very easy for me to impose all of my baggage. Yeah. And what I hear <laughs> you saying being safe is is having, you know, open arms, being empathetic, being sympathetic, being a learner, as Tammy said earlier. Yes. Letting your kid know that when they come to you, you're going to be there for them. Right. Not with your agenda, not right. with your personal opinion. Right. You'll about give that stuff, but what they're first going to be met with is a soft place to land. Yes, you know, empathy, grace, and them individually. Yeah, I think is for who they are, right? Because then they feel known, right? Right. Because this isn't what I would do with Ella. This is what I'm doing with you. Yeah, it's good. You know, and that relationships are a marathon; they're not a race. Mm -hmm. We got to remember that. We got to be ready for the differences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, one, when I went, one time when I went to marriage counseling, um, we were getting a little checkup and the marriage counselor said this and I never forgot it. And I think it applies to children too. He started, he said, I've been married to five different women. Well, immediately when he said that, I thought I got to get out of here, right? You know, cause I need some help right? and and we need help right now. But he said, you know, I was married to the young, um, woman who we were so excited to get married. He said, then we started our jobs. Then we started to have children. Then our children started leaving the house. And then, you know, now he, he was older. He said, now our friends are dying. Mm -hmm. And I think about that the same way with our daughters. We got to be ready. Mm-hmm. We got to be ready because we have the little children that we love and we can fix things with ice cream or, you know, yeah. go into the park. And then the things get bigger when there's social media and decisions. So we got to be ready and realize that connection, mm-hmm. that connection will carry us through. Mm-hmm. And if our relationship goes through hard times, there's going to be better ahead. Yeah. Sure. Well, it's just like any investment. Mm-hmm. You know, there's going to be a much greater return the more I invest. Definitely. And yes. I think, you know, it's easy to get caught up. I mean, we all have our life just in America in general is just crazy busy and we're going from point A to point B. And I think it's just very easy to forget because it sounds so trite, but like it, you blink mm-hmm. and your time it's with them true. is done. I mean... It's yeah. true. It's so true. The days are long, but the, but the years, years are, are short. short. <laughs> right. right. And we want to, We don't want to miss a thing with yeah. our girls. Really. Absolutely. That's good. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much for coming on and, and sharing your wisdom and your laughter and your joy <laughs> and just your presence because it's, it's good stuff. Um, if you're out there listening um, and you're raising girls, you know, we can't answer all of it in, in one sitting, but um, we hope that we gave you some encouragement. And some normalizing that, man, this we're all in this together. We're all going through it. You can be a therapist and you're still going to struggle. Definitely. Um, but, it, you know, I hope some of the themes are community, conversation, connection, 
you know, these things are what are really going to help you thrive. And I will say to look, to look at the long game, like Tammy just said, I think that's the, one of the things I tell people all the time is if you're struggling now really hard, stop, adapt, buckle down so that you can have a really good relationship with that adult kid yeah, in five sorry. years. Yes, Cause they're, they're going to at 23, right. They're going to, they're going to wake up and they're going to mm-hmm. call you and you're going to have one or two conversations. Mm-hmm. Hey, thank you so much for being so patient with me and loving on me and not judging me. And, and, and I, you told me a bunch of things that were true. I just didn't listen. And so I, I'm calling you saying, thank you. I'm so sorry. I get it now. Or they're going to call you and say, I was just a 14 year old. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything. I mean, of course I was an idiot. Why were you taking that so personally and reacting so toxically or so ridiculously Mm -hmm. to me? I don't really want to have anything to do with you. And then you're going to have to repair that. Right. Right. So work really hard right now to find that connection. Be be empathetic. Find the resources and the tools to do the best you can. But no, real soon they're going to be an adult and they're going to get it. But you, if you, if you don't do it now, you might miss the opportunity later to have a 40 year relationship with them and grandkids and adulthood and you know, all those other stages. So that's what I would encourage. Okay. Thank y'all. Um, have a good week. God bless you. Please subscribe, like, follow, share, you know, the podcast as usual. And, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye.